Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. You better not have no plans tonight. Movie time and it's feeling right. You're looking for a love that lasts. You'll find it at Romance in the Podcast. I know. Ooh, ooh, baby, you're the wind beneath my wings. Ooh, ah, I'll have what she's having. Thank you for tuning into Romancing the Pod. You had us at Hello, I'm Paige Wesley. I'm Mikey Randolph. And I'm Todd Schlosser. And this week, Paige made us watch Tyler Perry presents Temptation, colon, Confessions, Confessions of a Marriage, marriage Counselor. counselor. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so was this the first time any of you had seen this movie? Absolutely not. Okay. I've seen this movie before. I was prepared for what happened. <laughs> <laughs> Mikey, what about you? This is my first time, and I have a question. Is this like a shared universe, like the MCU, Tyler Perry's movies? Or... <laughs> I actually will talk about that a little oh, bit in fun facts. Wow, really? <laughs> um, not. I mean, it's not a shared universe so much as most of Tyler Perry's films, including this one, were previously plays, and most of them were musicals. Oh wow! And okay. We will talk about it at the end. Well, I would say that this movie was very interesting. Yeah, this movie <laughs> goes places. And listen, just like Judith on her wedding night to Bryce, it was my first time as well. <laughs> and uh, I was shocked at how this was like barely better than a Lifetime movie. That's what I thought. I was like, this yeah. is like a Lifetime movie, but with more steps and money. Yeah. It, yes. Well, with a much bigger budget. Yeah. And I, I mean, the acting was fine. Was it? I would say everyone except Kim Kardashian and Vanessa Williams yes. is fine. Thank you. Vanessa Williams, once she drops the accent, hilarious. Oh, yeah. The one line she says without the fake French accent. Yeah. Yeah. That one's fine. I don't know. The way that they played it off were like, <laughs> no, it wasn't good. Like when the wife started like hanging out with the billionaire, like her oh, acting the story was... is insane. No, yeah. But her acting is terrible. She's like. I'll do what I want. I'm going with him. And I was like, what is this, Maury or whatever? Like, <laughs> It did sort of feel that way, yeah. Yeah, I was like, I don't think an affair would be like this. I, I love Journey Smollett. I've seen her in many things. She's very good. In this movie, <laughs> she has two speeds, and one is 
calm and sarcastic, and the next one is slapping people. (laughs) There is no in-between. She is either like, well, I'm very married, so you can fuck off, or she's like, come get it! And you're just like, whoa. Wow. Girl. Wow. Zero to 60. Zero to adultery in like an hour and a half. I have questions. Was he a pharmacist or a pharmacy tech? He's a pharmacist? Because he wants to own the pharmacy. Yeah, I think he's like a true pharmacist, right? Yes. Yeah, I think he's I think he's a compounding pharmacist specifically. Yeah, which is even more money than like a regular pharmacist. And then they try yes. to make it out like he's like the yokel poor guy. And I'm like, pharmacists make like well into the six figures. Well, I mean, it, it depends on what your market is, where you're working. Definitely more than like a rundown pickup, though. But they're also in D.C., which is crazy expensive. D.C. is expensive, but she had a master's degree, and he was a a compound pharmacist, probably making six figures, like mid-six figures. Like, they're living a pretty comfortable life, dual income, no kids. They could have afforded more than, like, a small one-bedroom place in D.C. No, D.C. is wild. Not as wild as L.A. It's almost as bad, depending on where in the city you live. But also, he's not making six figures. It's a family pharmacy. That pharmacy's not bringing in six figures. Why would they move from a small town where his pharmacy salary was probably put him in like the uber 1% of the small town to a family pharmacy in D.C.? Like none of these life choices make any sense throughout the whole film. Well, yeah, their move to D.C. makes no sense. I do love that we're breaking down their move to D.C. and not her affair. But yeah, like that's fine. Well, we'll get to the affair. There's plenty of time. He forgot her birthday. He refused to almost get them killed by starting a fight with street toughs. Yeah, he didn't destroy a bike rider for no reason. Yeah, Uh, they establish early in the movie in the like opening narration that he wants his own pharmacy. So he wants to like have a store with a pharmacy that he then owns. Yeah. And so the implication is that he is working in this mom and pop pharmacy that he will eventually inherit from the crazy lady taking all the Valium. (laughs) No, she has a room full of Valium. She's going to die a little early. Yeah. He could just report that like he's mandated to and he could take (laughs) over that pharmacy. It, It implies, and I think the reason the movie specifies that is to try and imply that he's not ambitious. Yeah, because owning your own business is not ambitious. Well, there's a limit to how big that business can grow. I guess you can't scale a pharmacy unless you're like a Walmart or something like that. Right. And here's the thing. Do I think it's nonsense? Yes. It is. Yeah. <laughs> do I do I think that that's what the movie is trying to say? Yes. Anyway, so I think this movie has very strange ideas of A, what relationships are supposed to be. Yeah. Uh, people's roles within them and also what constitutes ambition and or success yeah because i feel like bryce wants to own his own business and like be a pharmacist and like the stuff that he really cares about is like family having a family having like a loving life with his loving wife like that's what he wants right it's a different kind of ambition yeah i wouldn't necessarily call him unambitious i would say their life goals may not be aligned which is probably something you should talk about before you get married which is why maybe don't get married at 18 yeah like that's the big lesson here is if you get married this early one of you's gonna end up with aids (laughs) (laughs) that's a a harsh clearly i'm joking i got married young Ooh, 15 minutes that's all it took 
I, I would say <laughs> if you get married that young, there is a chance that as you grow, you will become different people. That doesn't mean that your relationship won't work. Some people learn and grow together and that's fine. I have a question. Why are we even get married that young if you're not going to pop out three kids before 25? Because you can't have sex before you're married. Yeah. No, but they got married at 18, right? Yeah. So they could have sex? Well, yeah. But they also pop out some kids if you're going that way. If you're going to like... Why? No, she wants to start her own marriage counseling business. Like, no. Oh, like, yeah. She, I have thoughts about the mental health industry's partaking yeah, oh, of yeah, this no. movie. Oh, yeah, me too. Also, by the way, pro tip, private practice software is like 60 bucks a month. Anyone could start their own practice. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's it's super easy to do. Here's the, here's the things you need to start a counseling business. A license and, like, a room or a Zoom, a Zoom computer. And learn how to use QuickBooks. Yeah. I mean, even at the time this movie came out, which was, you know, almost 10 years ago at this point, it's like eight years ago at this point, it was very easy to start your own practice. And they are in the perfect situation for her to start a practice because they have no kids. Their overhead, as far as like family expenses, is super yeah. low. Like right. now is the time to start a business. Don't wait 10 or 15 years when you're in a more yeah. expensive house and you have three kids. That's like a horrible idea. Right. Also, her job is like more prestigious than like a private practice. Yes. Counselor. Oh, it's yeah. like a, yeah. I am a personal consultant for a matchmaking industry. I just help them answer mental health questions and get paid. And I would assume get paid very, very well. Here, Here's the other thing. So if she wanted to start a private practice on top of the job that she has, perfect setup because she now has a ton of couples who were set up by a crazy lady who's pretending to speak <laughs> French. They're gonna need some counseling. So all she has to do is just take that mailing list and be like, yo, call me when shit's hitting the face. Yeah, hey, in six months, you guys are gonna need therapy. I know a me. Call me. <laughs> Let's do this. Let's do it. And she would be in high demand, I would say. I'm sure she would, but she's probably making more money where she is now than if she started a, her own private practice, which I realize is not the only reason to do something professionally. Like yeah. she clearly wants to do this, you know, and wants to be a marriage counselor, which is great. But I mean, I think your idea of doing it on the side with the couples that clearly are going to need counseling, that's probably a better option. Here's here's the other thing, and this is another reason why their move to D.C. makes no sense. And again, I know that we have not even started talking about the movie, and so if you didn't watch it, a lot of this probably doesn't make sense to you. If you are in a small town where people are underserved as far as access to mental health care, yeah. insurance companies pay you more than they pay people in big cities. So you almost want to go to a small town as a therapist because you will most likely make more money you will just have to deal with insurance companies more. Yeah. Anyway, pro tip. It incentivizes rural health care. Yeah. Because a lot of, it's not just mental health, a lot of like hospital care is more expensive in rural areas. And that's how they incentivize people to go become general practitioners in those rural areas. Mm -hmm. So Paige, why did you pick this movie? Okay. So how did this get made? Did this movie like six years ago? I haven't heard this episode, but man, I love how did this get made? And they watched... I, it was like on Netflix at the time. And so I had time. I like watched it right before I listened to the episode. And 
it was the hardest episode I've ever listened to because I was like, all I want to do is talk about this movie. Like, this movie is so <laughs> insane. This movie is yes. so crazy. I want to talk about it. Uh, and now I'm glad that I get to. Yeah. You're welcome. Also, you're welcome for introducing you to this movie. <laughs> this is the first Tyler Perry movie I've ever seen. Oh, that that's interesting. This is not a good first one. Is it you not? Should, you should have started with Boo and Medea Halloween. Uh, no. <laughs> Can we do it on Horror Virgin? <laughs> I have definitely watched that. Um, You know what? I I have no problem. It's not very scary. Good. There, I would say Diary of a Mad Black Woman is probably the best one to start with. Okay. But. Well, you made me start with this one. <laughs> yeah, I did. You're welcome. This one is nuts. Are they all this like moral tale? Yes. Okay. And I will explain why in fun facts. Okay, that's fair. This movie, like the the morals in this movie are like Ayn Randian levels of smacking you in the face with it over and over and over and over again. But here's what blows my mind about them is that they're like, they have like four different sets of morality yes. <laughs> in this play. Yeah. Where it's like, there's so many different themes and like so many different things that they're trying <sighs> to tell you. And you know they are because they're like beating your head with it. But then you're just like, I don't I don't know why they're trying to say both of these. Like and I have some consent issues with some stuff that happens later on. And they fully just blame her for it on the plane when she's like fighting him off. Oh, that made me so uncomfortable because like. That is like boat levels of implication on a plane. Yeah, you can't get off a plane. Right. You got to get off on a plane. <laughs> you can't if you're Harley, you dirtbag. Oh, he's the worst. I wish. I, oh. And also, something else that really bothered me about this is at the end of the movie, there's no repercussions for Harley. Like, no one is like, Harley's a shitty dude. No one is like looking at the repercussions that Harley's having to face anything like that at the end of this movie he gets thrown through a plate glass window window. yeah but he's fine he's gonna be fine he's still rich as shit okay yes we we cannot go through all the scenes in the beginning let's just go through the movie okay 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 fucking fine 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 Paige, let's just jump through the movie let's do it all right all right all right so we open in a marriage counselor's office and there's a couple like it starts out as like a normal marriage counseling, like we've been married this many years, we met this way or whatever. And then it quickly devolves into like, I can't do this with you. Bye. And they're just not communicating. <laughs> Which is surprisingly, that's true. That part was okay. I'm okay with that. So, yeah, okay, yeah, so yeah. as someone who, uh, my personality type, especially in a relationship, is stomping off i would call it dismissive avoidance so yeah i would in past (laughs) relationships during arguments be like i just need to i need time to cool off and i would leave so like i (laughs) which is something i'm working on in therapy so like that's not a bad thing to be like i will have this conversation with you i need to calm down so i don't say things that i don't mean yes and that is the way i should have been saying it in those previous (laughs) relationships but like that's what i've been working on and and now i'm Mm. sort of working on like like staying in the moment and like trying to like logic through what they're saying and not let my emotions take over. And like, so yeah, absolutely. But I sort of saw in the guy who gets up and leaves, I was like, that's what I would have done like five, 10 years ago, you know? Yeah. Well, he just like, fuck it. Bye. He's like, fuck it. My wife is having an affair on me. I'm just going to leave. Yeah. I think he knows. Uh, and the marriage counselor just like turns to the wife who's still there is just like, so how that affair going? Like she just automatically knows she's like, she knows what's up. And the woman is just kind of like, how did you know? How, how did you know my thoughts? And <laughs> the marriage counselor is just like, let me tell you a story about Judith. Okay. So counseling perspective. <laughs> how, 
does she not know her marriage counselor's name? Yeah, that is a good question. At the end of the movie, I was so mad, Paige, because how do you not know your... I knew all of my therapist's first name. She obviously changed her name just like... Brandy? Yeah, (laughs) but that's an easy one to explain. But if you're in a counselor and they start, one, uh, projecting their morality onto you, that's a red flag. Two, you're paying them for therapy, not story time. So if you go into a therapy session and they just tell a story for, I'm guessing, the whole 50 minutes... That's not a good marriage <laughs> no, counselor. No, Mike, at no, all. It's it's two hours, and she is definitely going to bill for that additional yeah. add-on time. I wanted the therapy <laughs> scene to end, you know, before Judith goes back to the pharmacy at the very end. I wanted the pharmacy scene to end with Judith leaning in and being like, and we went an hour over, so I'm going to have to bill you double. <laughs> That's like if you came to me for therapy and like Todd's like, I have an issue about anger. And I'm like, I'm going to tell you about a movie I saw. And <laughs> have you seen Eight Mile? <laughs> yeah. And then I just narrate the whole movie Eight Mile and charge Todd $240. <laughs> and at, at, at the end of the two hours, you're just like. So what I mean by this is you've got one shot, yeah. one opportunity <laughs> to make this relationship work. Go home, make her some mom's spaghetti. The heavy handed morality. I mean, like this stuff like, oh, you're thinking about having an affair. You're like the bad person in a relationship. Like maybe you should take stock in the relation. relationships or systems and systems therapy is used mostly in couples counseling and family therapy is that means that each system touches each person is a part of the system and the interactions are what's caused problems. So you have to like work on it together. There's no like good guy or bad guy. And like, you should not be made to feel like one in therapy. I, I mean, even if you are, even if you are a textbook villain in a relationship, your therapist should be professional enough to be like, what do you feel like you are? Are are you telling me you feel like a villain? <laughs> well, I, I would just say if you have not already discussed opening your relationship with your partner and you are having an affair. Yeah, that does kind of make you the bad guy because yes. you're not talking to your partner about the needs yeah. that are not being met and how you're feeling. But your therapist shouldn't be like, so you're a bad person. <laughs> so you suck. Yeah, I, I think Mikey's point is that I think Mikey's point is just that your therapist should not be saying you're a bad person. You are still a bad person if you're <laughs> cheating on your spouse and they don't know about it. Like if you're not in an open relationship, which is right. more common than people think, I think. I'm not going to there's like gray area like okay, say he's cheating or they're abusive or I mean like all of the but these are things you're discussing in therapy in a non-judgmental, non-biased. Right. It has to be a non-judgmental space. Of like, if you come in and you're like, I'm having an affair with my husband, here's what's been going on. Your therapist is there to process that with you and the emotions and like help you figure out what you're supposed to do next. Right. But in this scene, she just tells a really personal story yeah. about herself that's real weird and malpractice. <laughs> it- <laughs> I thought it was really weird that when she started telling the story, she was like, I want to tell you a little story about my sister, Judith. This is how she got AIDS. Sit back and relax. Let's talk about it. I would really, really have liked it if she was just like, I'm going to tell you a story. And then it's just rent. And then she comes back. She's like, what'd you think? Won some Tonys, right? Yeah. <laughs> like just- some of those songs are top shelf. anyway we need to get past the first 30 seconds of this movie so how can we Paige? i don't know (laughs) Uh, well i also think it's funny that she's like i want to tell you a story about my sister and then in all the flashbacks there are no sisters it's just one person (laughs) she's played by the same actress 
It's not the same actress. The the therapist in the beginning is a different actress. Are you sure? I think they're the same. They yes. just have the I looked it up because I was confused. Candace Cook plays the marriage counselor uh, and Jeremy yes. Smollett, as Paige mentioned earlier, plays Judith. Here's the fucked up part, though. No one else has aged. They age her like 15 years and Bryce just gets like a little bit of gray. <laughs> he got gray temples and a little gray in his beard. That's it. Yeah, because he's a good man, Paige. I know he is. He's the one I would have chosen. You see those shoulders? Don't play. <laughs> Dude, he is chiseled out of marble. <laughs> he is so <laughs> fucking attractive. I got mad. I was like, if I looked like that, I would only walk around with a guitar in my underwear. The amount of in shape that everyone in this movie is, is like if someone was watching like daytime soap operas and reenacting them with their Barbie dolls and G.I. Joes. That's how in shape <laughs> all these people. He's like, I'm just a lowly pharmacist with a truck. And he takes off his shirt. It's just abs from neck to fucking penis. <laughs> He's got like 15 nipples. Yeah. But Journey Smollett's in amazing shape too. Like every one of the main characters yeah. is like chiseled out of marble. It's amazing. Yeah. So she starts telling a random story about a sister who doesn't exist. And there are some <laughs> questionable things in this story. Oh, yeah? Number one. So they're raised in a small town. We established that. Yes. Uh, but then she's like, my mom took us to church five days a week and twice on Sundays. And I'm like, that's a lot of church. That's how <laughs> like, I grew up. That's too much church, maybe. Like, Literally went to church every day before school and then just once on Sunday, but it was for three hours. Jeez. Oh, yeah. I went Wednesday nights as well. That was youth group night. Yeah, I did Wednesdays and Sundays. Sundays we had service yeah. and then Sunday nights we had youth group and then Wednesdays we had like youth group. I, when I got older, I would have gone to youth group, but still I, like two days a week. Five. So seven times they're going to seven church services a week. Yeah, that's a lot. I know. I lived that. <laughs> It was terrible. <laughs> and she says that there wasn't really time for them to do anything else. And that's their only social circle. That's true. So that's where she meets Bryce and they become inseparable as children. Well, yeah, because that child had a 12 pack. <laughs> <laughs> of beer. He was hiding it in church. That's why they make friends. This is what's tough for me is I'm like, it's very difficult to know how you will change as an adult if you yeah. never leave what you grew up with, if you never go out into the world and figure out your own stuff, whatever that means for you. But she essentially, it seems like she has this prolonged childhood because this is a person she met at six. They only stay together forever and then they get married and continue. And it's just a kind of continuation of her life, which I think is probably contributing to what's going on later. I'm sure it is. Yeah, we do get a montage of them slightly older. They're like hanging out in a field with a random stray cat. Yeah, I thought that was like them like in high school because it like starts out with yeah. them at like six, you know, and then you have like high school them sort of like sneaking out and like doing sort of like high schooly things, but they're still very like religious, very sheltered. Right. So it's not like they're having sex, but they're like hanging right. out in the field with a cat, you know, like you do. Right. And they then get married super young yeah having never lived on their own having never gone to college and lived with other people have having never had like jobs before like yeah a lot of things that 
change your outlook on what life is and how you want to spend it. Honestly, the most shocking part of this to me is not that she had an affair. It's not that she and almost everyone else in this movie came away HIV positive. It's that <laughs> after they got married, they completed high level degrees in college. I can't tell yes. you how many people I went to school with that got married before college and got divorced in college. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Or just didn't go to college, you know? Or also, how can you be a marriage counselor and communicate so poorly with your partner? First off, let's let's just go ahead and say this. She's not a marriage counselor, except for the very beginning of this movie, and that's it. No! She has a master's degree in counseling. She does, but she's not licensed. Right. She's not an actual marriage counselor until in the part that's not a flashback. Because the whole movie's a flashback. I'm going to assume that she is licensed and that's why she's consulting. No, because she says she's not yeah. in oh, the movie. Then why, who was paying her and why? Like, why would they get her? Well, and, and also, why would you get a master's and not have, bundle that with your LMFT? Like, I know different states are different, but like. Oh, well, you have to like take tests and stuff like and get supervision. So it could, it could take a couple of years. But yeah, yeah. She didn't seem to be actively pursuing that. No, she was hired by an eccentric, not quite French lady to make a lot of money <laughs> formulating questionnaires for old, rich white guys. Which would not be a master's unlicensed marriage. That'd be like a psychologist who's a research psychologist. It's, it's, you know, the science of this movie really pissed me off. I can't talk about it. The science. Well, I mean, <laughs> ev every job in this movie is manufactured. Like, every job in this movie is fictional. <laughs> so, like... Even him owning a mom and pop pharmacy. I'm like, how many? There's a compounding pharmacy near me that almost goes out of business weekly. It, it is not a sustainable business model. I know. But when they do those going out of business sales, you know, you got to snatch those up, man. Okay, I will say I will say this one thing about their communication, because I had a, a girl I work with and her and her long term partner broke up because they were having problems. And she asked her partner to go to therapy like you need to work on this. I think some of your stuff is coming out. Will you go work on it? That partner refused. So mm -hmm. like to for her to. She knows there's a problem in her marriage and for them to just never talk about it or never go to counseling or never even mention it to him is like bizarre. Yeah. yeah well, to be honest with you, at least in my experience, for her to go into the mental health space and work in a secular company is bizarre with that religious of an upbringing because True. family counseling and marriage counseling is like bread and butter of a lot of religious organizations yep. and there's a lot of work to be had there and so the fact that she would go outside of that is a little unusual uh the money is actually probably a little bit better because she's not working for a nonprofit. but that confused me a little bit and when she's talking about it later when she's talking to harley about the questionnaire the fact that she doesn't include sex in the questionnaire at all i was like you're bad at your job <laughs> yeah. Like this is incomplete. Oh yeah, I I just too the question I can't even talk. Okay, we'll get there. Let's table it. Table it. Table it. Table it. Table it. Table it. They <laughs> they move to DC. They have an apartment. There's like a big jump though from wedding to move to DC. They go to college. She gets a master's degree. Yes. Like there's six years in there. He goes to pharmacy school. It's got to be a long yeah. time. Oh yeah, he graduates with like a bachelor's in science and then goes to pharmacy school. So like. There's probably six, seven years in there that they're not showing us. We know it's six because oh, okay. she, they've been married for six years. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, so it's six, which is cutting it close. And she does say that she graduated early, 
but six. And this is where it talks about Bryce becoming a pharmacist in a mom and pop pharmacy he could own one day. And then she wants to become a marriage counselor. And she's working for essentially like the millionaire matchmaker, somebody who matchmakes for rich people, the Patty Sangers, where they just set up rich guys with hot girls who will put up with them. Or vice versa. Or vice versa. Yes. That's super dark, man. No, but it honestly. That show's great. That's why I used to watch that show all the time. Because <laughs> those people are nuts. I, listen, I'm just glad that I found someone to love me before I uh, started raking in the tens of podcast bucks we make because I know it's real now love, baby. that we've got bucks <laughs> what are we gonna do with it yes that show was nuts there was one girl who literally was like because as the show went on they found less and less millionaires that wanted her services in a later season, there was one girl who was like, I have exact, I'm worth exactly $1 million because of my blog. And she like carried her chihuahua around and constantly wore like neon fur coats. Oh my God. And she was like, I want to be with this motorcycle guy. And Patty was like, it's not going to work out. And she's like, I have money. <laughs> great TV. I honestly want to see it. I honestly, it feels like it has a 90 day fiance vibe. And I'm into that show. Oh, it's not as bonkers. Ooh, it's but, not but like, as crazy as that. It's like if if 90 Day Fiance's crack cocaine, this is more like a powder. Yeah. <laughs> but eventually you get down to the heroin of it, which is just too hot to handle. Yeah. <laughs> On Netflix, I can't stop watching it. It's so bad. I want, I, but I'm with you, Paige. I think more normal people need to be mixed in. So like I want too hot to handle with like one guy like me. And I'm like, guys, I'll give up some of this money. Last season, they had one guy from Hollywood who, like, did not have abs and was coasting entirely on charm. And he got some play, and then eventually everyone was just over his shit. <laughs> it was so fun. I was just like, no, he's too normal looking for the rest of these. <laughs> At this weird matchmaking agency, we have Vanessa Williams with a crazy... It's not even a French accent. Her accent is from what I would describe as Europea, like where it's just her accent is like a six year old, a sixth grader who sent on a secret mission by the CIA in France <laughs> <laughs> to steal an Enigma machine in 1943. <laughs> yes. If Hannah Montana, the show was about spies, this would be it. <laughs> <laughs> her accent is the accent that you get from a drunk person pretending to be French. You know, when somebody just gets a couple glasses in them and just like i i can speak french and all they're saying is je ne sais quoi over and over yeah. and over you know you know say quoi you know it yeah that i honestly was really relieved at the end when it was revealed that she didn't really have an accent because the whole movie i was like she's normally like not a terrible actress but this <laughs> is bonkers what is she doing? And then I was like, oh, it was like a character choice that was like in the script. Okay, yeah. cool. I get that if you're faking a French accent, it would sound like shit. So well done, Vanessa. I do love the reveal when we do find out that it's yeah. fake, but it's not worth, it should have happened so much earlier because we sit through conservatively 80% of this movie with oh, that yeah. French accent and it's so bad. It it's is. It's so bad. It's like she wanted a summer camp to New Orleans, met someone who also was <laughs> pretending to be French and then decided to <laughs> adopt that accent. Yes. She she kind of sounds like Sebastian the Crab. Holy shit. Hee hee hee. 
He's going to kill himself a crab. That's what he's going to do. So she runs into Kim Kardashian in a tight bodycon dress. Good for her. And Kim Kardashian exists in this movie purely to insult Journey Smollett every time she sees yeah, her. Yeah, body shamer, right? Yeah. And Tarot, she has no delivery. So she's just like. She's reading lines on a page. She's not acting. <laughs> yeah, someone has cue cards above Journey Smollett's head, I think, because she's just like, look at me, Judith. I <laughs> wear high heels, line, like it's, it's I will say whew, this. It's bad. I think she does better than like Paris Hilton does, but not a lot. It's like in that realm. I prefer Paris Hilton. <laughs> That's fair. I prefer Paris Hilton, but mainly because I've never seen Kim Kardashian make lasagna in her own kitchen <laughs> wearing driving gloves. And I feel like I need to see that to make a deliberation. I will say that, like, this is also this is early Kim Kardashian. This is like. Yeah, this is before Vanessa with a weird French accent got Kim and Kanye together. Right, right, right. <laughs> this is she got her and Frey J together. Ooh, yeah, those were early days. Yeah, this is not too long after that Ray J video, and I wonder if it made it weird for her and Brandy on set. But then they're not in any scenes together. Anyway, so I will say that when I've seen Kim Kardashian recently, she's better. But like in this, she is terrible, and. Essentially, she is completely image focused and materialistic, and that's it. She doesn't give a shit about anything else. Man, it's life imitating art here. I know. I was like, oh man, I don't even think she knows she's on camera right now. <laughs> she's just like, your shoes are disgusting. <laughs> and you're like, and cut. Oh, we were rolling. <laughs> anyway, uh, as they're talking, a very, very nice looking man in a suit comes in with fake French Vanessa Williams. And she's like, who's that? And Kim Kardashian is like, oh, that's the third largest social media inventor since Zuckerberg. I rewound it to get the exact phrase. And that's what it is. Third largest social media inventor since Zuckerberg. And it's something called class meet. Yeah. Which apparently is a reference to something, uh, to a company in Moesha, according to IMDb. Okay. But they referred to it as class act. And I'm like, it's class meat in this movie. So I, that might be a wrong fun fact. Interesting. I thought it was weird that it was M-E-A-T and it was only for butchers. I thought that that was it's, very strange. No, it's just a, it's an app where you rate your cafeteria meats at school. It's it's honestly mainly for trading lunchables with your fellow classmates. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You swipe right and swipe Mexican pizza. Swipe right. Yeah. Uh, all day. <laughs> so she asks if he's there to be fixed up by their boss, and they're like, no. He's going to try and transition her company to an online version of what she does. I honestly got the feeling that it was like a proto Tinder sort of a thing they were trying to do. Yes. Probably more like a okay Cupid, where you like you answer a bunch of questions. Or or like an eHarmony. Yeah, 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 I, yeah. I think it's more like an eHarmony, yeah. I've for, done all of those. Richity rich people. I got rejected from eHarmony. How do you get rejected from eHarmony? A lot of people do. A lot of Your people do. Your credit card is the <laughs> 
<laughs> I put it up on Twitch and people stole it. It wasn't my fault. Um, no, if you answer questions a certain way and they don't have enough people that they think would meet the criteria in matching you, you get rejected. Wow, that I'm so sorry that happened to you, Paige. I like I don't know. I mean, uh, I I went on a couple of days with people from OKCupid. They were all terrifying. Same. I didn't have. Oh, I I went on two days for OKCupid. It was bad. I had a lot of luck on Tinder though back in the day. I honestly, I had better luck on Tinder too, yeah. to be honest with you. Mikey, how's your uh, Tinder game going? I use Hinge. I actually had some good luck on Hinge too before Natalie and I got together. Anyway, they connect Harley with Journey Smollett's character, Judith, and she's going to help kind of create the questionnaires that will populate the algorithm for this dating site. Right. They don't know how to describe what that is in this movie. Right. Neither does she because she has no business building algorithms. And he doesn't either because he's a CEO and not an algorithm builder. And there's a point later in this movie where they're like testing the algorithm and I'm like against what? Like this this is not a thing. That's literally like a day from now. Like she shows in the questionnaire and then it jumps to later that same day and they're testing the algorithm that he built on his laptop. It's a couple days later because some stuff happens in between. Okay, but still, like, that's way too fast to build an algorithm like that. And there's no way that CEO is building it. Yeah, no, he absolutely sent that questionnaire to a team of engineers somewhere in the Ukraine. And then they come back to him three months later and are like, we can't build this shit. Um, <laughs> just kidding. They build it. It works great. He takes all the credit for it. Well, yeah, he's so, the CEO, Paige. It's clearly his yeah. doing. My headcanon is he's only in town for Brandy. Ooh, I believe that. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, he owns a house, right? We don't know that he owns that house. I think he just came to town and made those meetings so he can get in town and look for her more. Very possibly. I'm here for that. And I guess you're right. He could be, like, running that house. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in talking with Harley, he basically says, I don't believe in online dating. I like to meet people the old fashioned way. And she's kind of like, I'm kind of the same. My husband and I have been together for a long time. Yeah. So we cut to her husband's pharmacy where Brandy, Karen is her actual name. I, although I think they call her Melissa is her fake name. She has like four different names. In my in my notes, I just have Brandy. And then later, <laughs> later she's like, yes, it's me, Karen. And I damn near fell out of my chair laughing. <laughs> anyway, Brandy's starting at the pharmacy. And it's clear that Bryce has kind of like talked the owner into hiring her. Yeah. Um, because the owner is racist and also thinks she's a lesbian and I don't know why and why that would matter, but she brings it up a lot. I think that the owner is one of those people who is like super problematic, but thinks they're really like open and like accepting and they just don't understand that you can't say, oh, she's clearly a lesbian. Like what? No, no. Because she wears a hoodie when she leaves in the winter. (laughs) Here's what I'm going to tell you. If you've ever worked in retail, you know the value of wearing boots sometimes. Because sometimes you'd be on your feet for a long time. That's what I was going to say. Or just like comfortable shoes because you're literally restocking shelves. Like, Yeah. You never know when you have to kick somebody in the testicles. So always wear boots. (laughs) These are my nut stomping boots. (laughs) Yeah. These boots were made for stomping. Stomping on some nuts. One of these days, these boots are gonna stomp all on your nuts. I'm confused. Are you telling me that not all women who wear boots and trench coats are lesbians? Yes, because I have worn both those things and I am very straight. Uh. 
There's so many women I should have talked to. I thought pixie cuts. <laughs> My sister had a pixie cut for a long time in the late 90s, and she's straight as hell. Well, now she is, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God we sent her to conversion therapy. Had a marriage counselor. I had a bob for a while. It's not a good look for me. I have a very round face. Anyway... So Brandy gets to work restocking deodorant and we cut back to the office where Harley is talking to Judith about whether or not he should invest. And this is where she brings up the questionnaire and basically has him fill it out uh, or at least gives it to him for his people to use. He hasn't filled it out yet. But this is also where he says, don't I know you from somewhere? And it turns out they run in the same park. Yes. She's like, oh, yeah, you're the one who's always running with your shirt off. And he's like, well, yeah, so you noticed me, huh? Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's very clearly, like, into what she's working with. And she, at this point, is doing a pretty good job of deflecting it. She deflects most of this movie, by the yeah. way. Even later, she is still deflecting, and he is a pusher. He is actively manipulating and pushing beyond oh, yeah. the boundaries of what I would call uh, consent. Courtship. Oh, I would say, Mikey, consent is a part of courtship. So, yeah, absolutely. It yeah. It's the most important. <laughs> it's the most important C yeah. word in yeah. courtship. Yeah. yeah. I really hate that he has almost no repercussions for his actions in this movie because he is yeah. worse than Journey. Small it is. Well, he does have AIDS. He's HIV positive. Yeah. He starts this movie with AIDS and ends this movie with AIDS. His life does not change at all because of all the shit he causes Journey Smollett's character to go through. He has no real character arc. That's not true. He gets thrown through a window and he has to pay $200 <laughs> to, fix to, the replace, window. to replace that window. I, I mean, I would say this this film is inherently misogynistic. Oh, absolutely. Yes. It it's terrible. It really is. Yeah. Like, I wanted to see him in jail. I wanted to see some, like, repercussions. In some states, not notifying a sexual partner of your HIV status before having unprotected sex with them can be... Yeah, um, I learned that in Law and Order people. SVU. <laughs> I did, too. That's where I learned it. But, like, I wanted, like, Detective Stable to come in there and handcuff him and take his ass to jail. Well, I mean, he straight up does punch the shit out of her later on anyway. Yeah, I know. It's terrible. To be clear, also, being HIV positive and having AIDS are two very different things. Yes, yes. And no one in this film is depicted as having AIDS. They are depicted as being HIV positive. The movie doesn't seem to know the difference. Right. Yes. As with everything in this movie, nuance is not available. <laughs> <laughs> like if you tried to go to the nuance section of his class meet website, it would just say 404 nuance not found. So <laughs> Judith comes home and Bryce is like, how was your third week? And I was like, she's only been at this job for three weeks. And Kim Kardashian's already just like, the fuck are you wearing? <laughs> she is aggressively stupid, too. Sorry, not Journey Smollett's character. I mean, Kim Kardashian. Her, her character, yeah. Yeah, her character is. Sorry, I don't know Miss Kardashian. She's in law school right now. I mean, great. Good for her. I hope she does a lot of good. Good with, for her. Yeah, I hope she does great. But in this movie, she's aggressively dumb. Like, she is giving Journey Smollett shit for coming from a small town. And she's like, well, you're no longer in a small town. You got to dress like you live above the Mason-Dixon line. And I I was like, you're in D.C., 
That's also below the Mason-Dixon line, you <laughs> idiot. Wait, is it? Hold yes. on, hold on. The Mason-Dixon line goes through the top of Maryland. I used to live in Frederick, Maryland, so I was really close to the Mason-Dixon line. Hold on, I'm looking at a map. Yeah, you can look it up. Google it. Todd's never wrong. Ma- okay, the U.S. Census still lists Maryland and D.C. as part of the South. Yeah. <laughs> They are. That's really funny. I didn't even think about that. So she's aggressively dumb. Yes. But anyway, so it's her third week. She's home. She doesn't like her job. And she's like, I have a master's. What am I doing here? And I'm like, why am I trying to help old dudes find dates? Oh, yeah, because I've got a master's in mental health. Money and power and all of this success just (laughs) rains down on us. Mikey is clearly bitter. What am I doing here? I was like, you have health insurance? But Mikey is right. These professions are glamorized, and that is not the reality. And when I was in college, especially if you went to a Christian college at the time when I was applying to schools, if you applied as a psych major, people referred to that as an MRS degree. Yes, because you were there there to get get married. I tried and failed. (laughs) Well, I'm sure you'll be somebody's missus someday. One of these days, Mikey. Yeah, when they shoot at me and they misses. (laughs) (laughs) You son of a bitch. I love you, Mikey. So... She complains that she feels like she's getting stuck in a job that's not really what she wants to do. And she's like, I have to start my own practice. And Bryce is like, maybe in 10 to 15 years. And I'm like, what the hell is he talking about? I know. (laughs) It literally is the worst advice ever. Like, she should be starting her practice right now. Yeah. Or joining a small practice to then build up a client list and then strike out on her own while she's getting her hours, etc. Absolutely. But he's just like, no. And... This is also where we find out that her mother will be coming to town soon. And she remarks that her mother is consistently bothering her about whether or not she's doing her wifely duties, like cooking and having sex three times a week, like it says in the Bible. And he's just like, well, then you've been slacking. And I'm like, okay, first of all, there are no numbers in the Bible about how often you should be breaking it down for people. Yeah. But secondly, she is working full ass time. She's home after Bryce. Why is she responsible for making dinner? We have two full-time jobs. We're ordering out. Oh, Jake and I order out frequently. Two full-time jobs. (laughs) Right, Especially right right now when it's 100 freaking degrees in the house and we're like, I'm not turning on anything in the kitchen. I don't have my prestigious mental health degree. (laughs) To eat the shit I make. To cook my own wings. (laughs) It's so funny that you mentioned wings. I ordered Buffalo Wild Wings tonight because I got a taste for them during our Patreon video that we did. But (laughs) I really object to this idea that dinner is her duty initiating sex is her duty and the movie kind of hammers that home and i'm like no this relationship should be collaborative if he's home before her he should probably start dinner you know and like it shouldn't be a thing Mm -hmm. they should Mm -hmm. be partners is what you're saying Yes. Or they could just text about it like a normal couple. Yes. And we never really see him initiate sex with her in this movie. We see her initiate at least once. Um, You call getting almost naked and playing guitar not initiating sex, Paige? 
I call him try. I call that him trying to make her forget that he forgot her birthday two years in a row. Maybe he's just pitching yeah. her his new podcast. What's your husband shaking at you, guitar wise? <laughs> <laughs> I thought he was just doing improv. That's not going to attract anyone. Uh, the way I do it, it's not. The way he does it in this movie. It does. This dude is handsome AF. He's like, your birthday? What about this body? (laughs) I was too busy in the gym for dinner or your birthday, but now you get to play. He just got a bow wrapped around his dick. (laughs) I really dislike that this movie paints her as a villain for, quote unquote, not fulfilling her role. Yeah. Yeah. But I do love that their house, since it's like, quote unquote a poor person's house is just wood paneling everywhere i hate you for saying that so much i like their kitchen though. <laughs> when i saw the wood paneling i was like oh this place feels very homey to me for some reason and i can't quite put my splintered finger on it <laughs> <laughs> anyway he tells her he's gonna take her out to something nice for dinner Danny. we cut to after the date and she gets cat called and he just tries to have her keep walking yeah because he doesn't want to die today yes yeah thank you <laughs> Because it's like four people. There's like five guys. Yeah. Even if they're all unarmed, it's not going to go well. It's not a fair fight. And she goes off. And I am five foot two. I have been all of my adult life. If you're with me and I get catcalled, please just escort me to safety. Yeah. I don't I don't need to be in the middle of a street fighter level while we figure this shit out. Just get me home safe. That's you protecting me to me. Yeah, he 1000% does his job as a man and her husband here, and she tries to get him killed. Okay, so I've been in this situation, so and I responded like a sensible adult. I walked her back to the car, got in the car, turned the car on, Ran over those five people and played the scene. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Mikey, there are some detectives here that need to talk to you. <laughs> well, they can meet me. I'll be in my car. <laughs> They're more than welcome to meet me in the driveway. I'll be in my car, <laughs> revving my engine. It's a Prius. They'll never hear it coming. <laughs> I would just prefer to be home safe. Yeah. And for me, safe is being away from the people catcalling me. She does not consider that safe. And it clearly bothers her because they get home and she's like confronting him about it in bed where she's just like, I didn't feel safe. And he's literally like, they could have had guns. We did the right thing because now we're home safe and she's like I just don't like the way I feel and he's like I will always protect you I'll die for you and she's like I just want to go to sleep and then he apologizes and I'm like he has nothing to apologize for like I think I think he reacted accurately yeah (laughs) but when she's all like I just don't like the way I feel he should have been like well how would you feel if I was dead because you couldn't keep your mouth shut or both of us were dead yeah but you can't say that stuff especially when your wife's a little bit tipsy and already a little bit upset like that goes from zero to knife fight in your house very quickly you gotta like keep those things in inside you like this is like where being quick-witted is a negative thing in a relationship sometimes quick-witted is always a negative thing in a relationship if you're a guy page you haven't been in my house where i try to do a bit and jake is like can we not do this right now (laughs) (laughs) page what you're describing is like every day of my life because Jake stopped returning my calls. <laughs> he was just like, Todd, can we not do this right now? So we cut back to the office 
and Harley's back and he filled out the questionnaire and he's like testing her of like, oh yeah, well, what does this say about me? And she reads through his questionnaire and he clearly lied on this questionnaire. Oh, I don't know that he did. The red flags are in there when she's like going they through are. it. Yeah, we're well, a little defensive and aggressive is different than punching her in the face. I don't think that test is doing great. Yeah, I mean, she does highlight that he's relationship oriented and has a bit of a mean streak yeah. and that he's attentive and observant, which is really kind of how he pushes through the rest of the movie. But they then continue working. We cut to the pharmacy and Brandy is leaving for the day. She puts her hood up. She's clearly like hiding, if that makes sense. Yes. And as they're watching this, the old woman who runs the pharmacy fills her purse with candies. It's just a note. Um, But Brandy (laughs) runs to her apartment and closes the gate behind her, goes inside, shuts the door with multiple locks and grabs a baseball bat. Yeah. She's clearly traumatized. Yes. Or like a super huge baseball fan. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Then we cut back to the office where Judith is like going head to head with the algorithm, it seems, which is A, too fast for them to have one and B, not a thing. But this is where she ends up talking to Harley about why there's no sex in the questionnaire. And she Champagne room. Well, she also reveals <laughs> her birthday's in a couple days and that they've been together since essentially they were six. Yeah. And... She also tells him about what she wants to do as far as like becoming a marriage counselor, etc. And he kind of shares with her that he's been so ambitious, he's been lonely and basically says that he fell in love with the last relationship he had. But then she walked out and he hasn't been able to rebound since, which I think does lend credence to the idea that he is in D.C. specifically to track her down. Yeah. But. As he finds out that she doesn't include sex on any of her questionnaires, which bare minimum, because when Jake and I did premarital counseling, they asked us about sex, too, even though it was like connected to a church. They asked us very specific questions about sex, and I appreciated the ones that they asked. They were a do you feel safe in your sexual relationship oh that's a good question do you feel like you can ask for things that you want in a sexual relationship and like ice cream yeah and toast and do you feel like you can openly communicate about your physical and emotional needs in in a sexual relationship i think those are valid questions whether you believe in premarital sex or not yeah i i think you need those things People need to feel safe. And, mm-hmm. oh, they also asked us, do you feel like you can say no in a sexual situation with no repercussions? That's a good question. These are all real. Those are good questions. Yeah. The, and the woman who married us also did our counseling. And she was like, if you answer no to any of these questions, I will not marry you. Anyway, so she has no questions about sex at all. <laughs> and he basically is talking about sex in a way that I would venture to guess she has never experienced. Yeah, I think that's pretty clear in this movie. Right. That her and Bryce have one (laughs) specific kind of sex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And here's the thing. There is nothing wrong with that kind of sex. If you like that kind of sex, keep having that kind of sex. Yeah, you get in that bed, you turn that lamp off, you go to town. Yeah, as long as you are consenting and both parties are having fun, do it. Yeah. He then is just like, nah, sex should be random. And I'm like, that okay, not too random. (laughs) Not like in a bus or something like that, but like. (laughs) I, I will not have sex in a house. I will, I will, will not have, have sex, sex with a mouse. With a mouse. <laughs> I will not have sex here or there. 
I will not have sex, sex with a bear. <laughs> no, I regularly have sex with a bear. Let's be real. <laughs> anyway, she seems to be getting kind of turned on. Uh, but denies it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, when they get in the elevator and they go down the elevator and it's like trying to be 50 shades of gray. She puts space between them when she gets in the elevator, yeah. by the way, because she gets in, he gets in and stands close to her and then she moves over. Yeah. And she is actively like, you need to go home. I need to go home. We're not talking about this anymore. Yeah. She is turning him down. I'm going to go take this out on Bryce. But she doesn't communicate to Bryce what she needs. No. She just does it without saying anything. She slaps him in the face while he's trying to make dinner. A few different <laughs> times. I do want to be clear, though. He made himself a sandwich. He didn't make dinner for both of them. Oh, I didn't pick up on that. I was too confused as to why she was slapping him in the yeah, face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I was yeah, like, yeah. Bryce, how are you so terrible at this? This is why you should never date someone who's super in shape with abs because they are only focused on themselves. <laughs> That's not necessarily true. I I think this is why sometimes if you enter into a relationship very, very young, some of these issues can happen because you don't really know how to relate to each other as your life changes not always, but in some cases. And I think that's what's happening here is that like they are growing into a more adult relationship and he is kind of taking for granted that she will always be there because she always has. I completely agree that he is taking her for granted. I also think that they're both a little bit childish. I don't know if you saw, but yeah. he, when she runs in there and like starts like trying to come on to him really heavily, very animalistically, if you will, he's mm -hmm. in there cutting the crust off his sandwich. <laughs> so like, I mean, he is a very childlike in nature. Well, yeah, and and this idea of like who's going to make me dinner is very childish. You're yeah. an adult. Figure out food. Yeah. In this scene, she comes in guns a blazing, and I think what she needed to do was just to be like, "I'm really horny right now. I'd like to try some new stuff. Are you willing to do this with me?" Yeah. Because. 90% of the time, probably more than 90% of the time, people are just like, yeah, fuck this sandwich. What's up? If I was making a sandwich and someone walked into my kitchen that I'm like in a relationship with and was said all that to me, I would open the trash can, slam the sandwich <laughs> down and then go at it. <laughs> Absolutely. Just leave the sandwich and eat it after. No, I think you do it sort of for the joke though, right? Like that would make me laugh. I would 100% <laughs> do that. I feel like what you got to do is sweep the table like yeah, yeah, yeah. clear <laughs> clear the sandwich off the table Paige there's nothing on my kitchen table and I would still sweep the table <laughs> <laughs> be super funny but but it's just you can't just jump on somebody and expect them to understand what you want without telling them right because people are not psychic right and he then says something that's also not great where he just says, this is weird. I'm going to forget you did this and I'm going to growl at the sandwich and then we'll go have sex in the bedroom, lights off, whatever, like we normally do. And I'm like, OK, it's not weird. Like she just did not communicate effectively. But like the idea of like, I'm going to forget you did this. We're never going to explore this. No, because what is happening is very worth exploring. <laughs> I get <laughs> yeah, that she's not yeah, doing it, it the right way, but man. There's a lot of fun in exploring that realm of sexuality. And I, like Mikey was saying, you put that sandwich to the side. You can come back to it later. You can make a whole new sandwich. Like the mm. sandwich is no longer important if your girlfriend is like in it to win it and like wants to try new things. That's a good space to enjoy the time. Yep. And I'm like Thor, man. I'm like patrolling all nine realms. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> what does that even fucking mean? That he's fucking frost giants. Oh, all right, all right. Get some. Get some, Mikey. Get some. I like, you know, I like the cold-hearted bitches. 
I like Jet too, man. They're so good. <laughs> anyway, she wakes up the next morning and goes out running. And she goes out specifically to see Harley. Very clearly she does. Yeah. Yeah. And they end up running together, but she runs into a cyclist because she's not paying attention. And he straight up almost murders that cyclist. I know. He goes from zero to knife fight <laughs> so fast because she was looking back talking to him, right? Did I miss something? Like, she runs into the cyclist, right? Okay. Yes, she hits the cyclist and he's super dorky. And then this guy's like, I'm a fucking yeah. Kill you and he's like, oh, she hit me. I'll be real with you. If someone that I was in a relationship with reacted that way to someone over something that small, I would be very frightened. I am, I am leaving that relationship. I'm just like, we shouldn't see each other anymore. But I'm gonna text it to you once I get home because I don't trust you in my presence. Because I don't feel safe in this relationship anymore. Yeah, like communist China. It's a super big red flag. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, wow. I loved everything about that joke. He's like, the cyclist is about crying at the end. And she's like, this is hot. And yeah. I'm like, oh, mm. Bryce, you should divorce because Bryce has never fucked up a cyclist for me. Yeah. <laughs> you know what my husband didn't do? He didn't like murder a man. <laughs> Just to watch him die. It is crazy, though. Like he goes next level aggressive with this guy. And it is like. Uncomfortable. One, the reason I asked if she ran into the cyclist is because I didn't want to rewind it because it was two hours long and I had to finish the movie. But like he reacts in a way that makes it seem like he hit her on purpose, like he targeted yes. her and like just barreled into her on purpose. But he didn't. It seemed like it was her fault. Yes. So she wants to call Bryce. He talks her into going back to his place so he can wrap her foot. And he kind of confronts her about talking about Bryce and comparing the two of them, yeah. which I don't think that's what she's doing. I have a lot of male friends and we don't always have the same interests. And so sometimes when a male friend is like, yeah, I'm doing this one thing, I will be like, oh yeah, Jake's been doing that too. That's not me trying to like, you two are the same, but different. It's me trying to be like, I don't know or enjoy that thing you're doing, but I know someone who does. So we can continue to talk about it, I guess. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I don't think she's comparing them yet at this point i think that she's just trying to make conversation especially a lot of the time she's doing it at her office i feel like yeah. she was doing that to be like hey i have a husband yeah i appreciate that you're trying to invest in this company and you have questions of me because of that but like i'm right. not interested in a relationship i have a husband it was like a very professional nice way of saying that right yeah. right but i think he takes it as oh she's comparing me to her husband because she knows I'm way better. But he's never seen her husband dance with just a guitar. I'll be real with you. I'm way more attracted to her husband. Hell yeah. But Harley like pushes it. And he's oh, yeah. like, I, I wonder who he who he is and how special he must be to have you. And does he even notice you anymore? Does he notice all these things that I have noticed and how sexy it is when you're breathing? And she then points out like, hey, I notice things too where there's perfume on the sofa, there's heels in the bedroom and diamond earrings on this table. So I know I'm not the only girl to have been here recently. Right. I mean, that you ushered out of the house and or had to roll up into a carpet. Like what <laughs> woman leaves her shoes and her earrings after a night of amore? You've clearly never worn heels. Oh, no, wait, you have. I have. Wouldn't you leave those at a moment's notice because they hurt the shit out of your feet? I, okay, I did after the walk part of the party change into my uh, Converse high tops. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I get it. But your diamond earrings, I'm not going to leave diamond earrings behind and my yeah. ears aren't even pierced. Like, I feel like he has murdered somebody and will murder again. Very possible. So 
Bryce comes to pick her up and he they he's cordial. Bryce is super nice because he's just like, oh, hey, thanks for taking care of her, etc. We cut to their house where Bryce is getting out of the shower. Thank you, Tyler Perry, for that. Oh, yeah. And he asks her, were you and Harley running together? And she says, no, he just happened to be in the park. And he tells her that he'll be late because he's doing mid-month inventory. And he says, I hate the 15th. Breakfast is on the table as she's putting on makeup. And it's clearly her birthday. And he has just like... Completely He's completely spaced on it Yeah He's thinking about inventory or whatever Well You're gonna need to think of it before the day of Even if you remember When you wake up in the morning You remember that's your wife's birthday That might also be too late Yeah I mean no it, it is too late If you're thinking about it the day of Like There are ways to come back from that But it's still not a good look But I think he's just so caught up in like His job Like he's thinking about inventory He's like I can't believe that my coworker's brother slept with my wife's coworker. Like that's bonkers. And and like I mean, I get why he would be like a little bit spaced on her birthday. Anyway, he forgets her birthday. She goes to work. There's flowers at work, but it doesn't say who they're from, so she thinks it's her husband, which makes her happy. She goes to her office after her requisite dressing down from Kim Kardashian and Harley is there and he's like, you're welcome for the flowers. And she's just like, you sent these? And he's like, yeah, I wanted to tell you in person because I was going to deliver them myself, but then everyone would have talked about it. So yeah, because he should not be buying a married woman flowers. Yeah. And I mean, like they've been working together. It's not the weirdest thing, but it's a pretty romantic gesture. I would say go for edible arrangements for, (laughs) but for like red roses, that's not the right kind of flowers to get her. No, no. And, you know, buy her lunch or something. Like, I don't know. Anyway, so he basically lays it out for her again. He's like, I find you beautiful and interesting. I want to be around you. And she's like, I'm still very married. And he's just like, well, are you happy? And she's just like, you don't know him. I'm fine. Please stop. And we cut to back at the apartment. Bryce comes home from inventory and she's made herself a cupcake with an unlit candle. Yeah. It's very sort of passive aggressive, right? (laughs) It is. I was like, she waited. She specifically bought herself that cupcake and didn't eat it. She actually bought it from the bakery where his pharmacy is. (laughs) (laughs) That'd be really funny. Where do you think she got the candle? (laughs) Just stopping by the pharmacy. So he apologizes. He's like, I'm, I fully forgot your birthday. I'm so sorry. And she's like, this is the second year in a row. That's, oh, that broke my heart though. Because that's right. like, that's rough, man. They haven't been married decades. Yeah. You know, he doesn't have dementia. Like there's no reason why he should be forgetting birthdays. Right. And there's social media. The longer you're married, the easier it is to remember birthdays. So I don't know why people forget them more the longer you've been married. It's the same time every year. Yeah, it's so easy to set a calendar alert on your phone. Yeah. I do that shit all the time. I do that shit for like random things. Like Natalie, I'll mention something and like something comes out on a certain date and I'll put it in my phone because I'll, I do that. I want to be like, hey, let's do this thing that you told me about two weeks ago or a month ago mm-hmm. that started today or whatever. Like that's such an easy way to like surprise surprise your partner with like oh my god you're listening to me I'm like, yeah that's i i do it with friends that's how we got trixie and katya tickets this morning <gasps> yeah i love trixie and katya oh my god mikey you've got to get into this trixie and katya stuff i like them i've watched their youtubes yeah dude oh uh, mm. is the best show on youtube anyway he he tries to apologize this is where he does the underwear guitar cowboy hat 
try a little tenderness lip sync. Yeah. They end up having sex. Yeah, because look at him, Paige. Oh my God, yes. He fulfills my shoulder requirement. Do not <laughs> be worried. You don't even have to get the tape measure out for him. No, I I know it on sight. Yeah. <laughs> I do think it's really funny that he didn't have a shoulder strap for that guitar. So he is literally like trying to hold it yeah. in his hands and dance. And it's very awkward if you watch it. And it's very funny. It's super awkward. Yeah. And it goes on for far too long. It does. But anyway, they end up having sex. And... We cut to the next day and he really thinks he like knocked it out of the park sex wise. And she's just like, it was cool for what it was, but it wasn't all that. And I'm just like, okay, but communicate about the things that you want. It's your birthday. I know, right? I mean, but also communicate every day. Yeah, absolutely. I felt a little bad for him. I was just like, oh, abs not everything. <laughs> I mean, they enough, though. I'm sure it would be nice. <laughs> oh, man. She's like, you can't fuck, but I can clean my laundry on your chest. <laughs> <laughs> hey, some people have different skills. Yeah. So we cut to the next day and she shows up at work and finds out that she is going to be going on a business trip with Harley to New Orleans for a meeting. Yeah, for a quote-unquote meeting. And yeah. her boss is like, flirt with him. I do like what she says, though. I mean, aside from the flirt with him thing, because she sort of warns her. She's like, yeah. but be careful, like, be safe. Like, whatever she says, she does sort of allude to the fact that, like, I'm aware of I'm putting you in a compromising situation, and you can flirt with them. That's fine, but be safe. It's almost like we should send two people on this. Yes. yes. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I would prefer if she was just like, no, she's not going to go alone with also, you. Also, why don't I go with you as the owner of this business? Yes. I'm going to send my consultant therapist to really hammer out the details of this business Yeah, it's deal. pretty bonkers. Yeah. You can tell that like a marriage counselor wrote this <laughs> as like a pipe dream. You mean Tyler Perry wrote this? Tyler Perry wrote this. That's why nothing makes sense. I want real confessions of a marriage counselor like, I think they're going to divorce. <laughs> <laughs> like pop-up video with marriage counselor is just like you yeah. see here they really could have communicated better and honestly <laughs> so we cut to judith goes into kim kardashian's office and kim is insulting her as usual and judith is like my husband forgot my birthday the flowers were from somebody else and kim just goes like well you are forgettable I'm yeah, just like that is the first thing she says after her like work colleague. I wouldn't even call her friends. Right. Like confesses something that's like very sad. Like it is sad. It's, it's super sad. And she basically is like make a man remember you. So she lets Kim Kardashian give her a makeover. Yeah. And that is the first time Kim Kardashian is like nice to her. Right. And we do get like a mini makeover montage. Yes. Which I do love in a rom-com. I do too. This is not quite She's All That Style because Journey Smollett's amazingly attractive throughout the whole movie. Right. Yeah. They're criticizing her and she looks amazing. Yeah. So we cut to the pharmacy the next day and Brandy is hiding from her ex and she can hear him talking in the store. Yeah. And she has to basically tell Bryce and the racist old lady about it. And she kind of describes what happened where she's like, he wanted to dine me and then he was a whole different person. I don't know if it was the drugs. I don't know what. But he changed. Yeah. And Bryce is like, I can't see you being with a guy like that. And she's like, well, you don't know who you're married to. And so I ran and never looked back. And they convince her not to run and that they'll basically take her to and from work to keep her safe. You say they will, but the owner of the store is like, I ain't doing shit. 
<laughs> but yeah, no, he does offer to like take her back and forth, which is very, very kind for a coworker to do. Right. Meanwhile, we cut to the airport where a limo drops Journey Smollett off at the private plane. Yeah. They fly to New Orleans. The meeting goes well. Then we have a, a montage of them essentially having a date, like an all day date in New Orleans. It is because like the business meeting takes like an hour in the morning and then they go to like a bunch of different like hot spots in New Orleans. Yeah. Right. The only thing that's missing is that they're not sweating, which I just did not think was realistic <laughs> for a day trip to New Orleans. Well, they so they get beignets and then they get multiple different kinds of drinks. So if you'll notice at every place they go, she has a drink in hand because there's Open carry, you can open carry in New Orleans. Yeah, you can walk around with alcohol. We can do that in Tennessee, but with guns. Yeah. It's a lot more safe, question mark? It's not. Give us both at least. Yeah, that's what we need. Alcoholics and gun enthusiasts. Oh. So the plane takes off again. They're flying home, and now she's drinking champagne on the plane, and she's been drinking all day. Yeah. So I would say she's maybe not in the best space to make any sort of sex decision oh i would say the level of alcohol already is making consent questionable here that's fair and i'm not trying to like say that that is incorrect page but she also says no in this scene oh yeah, we'll get to yeah. it like i'm just saying that before we even get to her saying no it's questionable right so he comes on to her and he kind of twists her words where he acts like he's talking about his ex but then he's clearly talking to her and he kind of negs her a little bit yeah it's not it's not good and he asks because she says what do you dream about and he says you and she and he says do you ever dream about me and then she says i have a husband yeah and then he says do you want me and she shakes her head no and then he starts kissing her and she says, I don't want to. Please stop. Get off of me. And then he mm -hmm. basically backs off and says, OK, now you can say you resisted. And then he goes in for it. And she's still not full. She is still shaking her head. No, she shakes her head. No, right before he kisses her. Right after he says that this is rape. I would yes. call what happens on this plane. rape. It is now. I and this is going to sound terrible. And please, please forgive me. I understand why she stops resisting because they are in a plane. She has yeah. nowhere to go. Like it's yep. terrible, but this fully feels like rape to me. And if she goes yeah. to the cops and does what he says she can do, he's going to jail for a long time because if yeah. she tells the cops that she resisted, he forced her to do this. That is rape. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I mean. Like there's no repercussions for him in this movie. And that drives me insane. Yeah. He drops her off at home and she says, I don't ever want to see you again. If you need anything, Janice can help you. Yeah. Which to me is like, she's just been raped and she's like, get the fuck away from me. Yeah. And Todd, you're absolutely right about no repercussions. This movie is like super misogynistic and blames the victim for everything that happens. Right. And I'm not saying that Journey Smollett doesn't make some bad decisions. She makes some mistakes and she has tremendous consequences for making mistakes. I feel like Harley's character is maliciously like going after her, gaslighting her, lying to her, all of this terrible shit. And nothing really happens to him for that. I also think that part of the reason that she makes those bad decisions later in the movie is because of this next scene. Because he's dropping her off and she gets there right around the same time Bryce comes home with her mom. Yeah. And they go inside and her mom essentially interrogates her. Yeah. Like we do get a flashback of what happened on the plane. She's clearly upset about yeah. it. And her mom is basically interrogating her as if it was a 
voluntary act that she just did. And on top of that, she's got the one two punch of Bryce has told her mom things like they're not going to church. She's not cooking for him. She's working too much. She's not, quote unquote, fulfilling her wifely duties. And so essentially she has been raped and then she comes home and people make her feel like shit. Yeah, she gets shamed. Yeah, she gets shamed for something that was not her fault. She is fully raped on that plane. And I think she gets to a point of feeling like she is worthless or or not worthy of of the love and relationships that she has. And I feel like she doesn't feel safe to communicate what happened to her. Right. Yeah, because I don't think that they know what happened. I mean, Harley outside was super like territorial, even though like he's just like this guy she worked with for a little bit. But like when he finds out that that's her mom, that he's like, next to out front he like forces his way into like meeting her i the whole thing was really creepy i hated it i hate harley so much i wanted him to die in this movie yeah well and she eventually just leaves to go take a shower because she can't essentially she can't handle being interrogated anymore yeah this is where bryce finally tells her mom that he forgot her birthday and her mom is finally like you need to have your ass whipped like what are you doing yeah like, i love that what's wrong yeah. with you and they go to bed and Judith is like, why did you tell her all that stuff? And he's just like, well, she asked and they basically just go to bed and she's just kind of had the worst day ever yeah. and doesn't feel safe to tell anyone about it, clearly. Which is why I think she goes to the affair because like the only person eventually in her life who like even pretends to listen to her or show her affection yeah. is the other guy. Which, which is superficial and not great and absolutely but i i do think that feeds the spiral well and they're firmly in the part of his like narcissistic cycle where he's like love bombing her right and like making her feel like he's the only person who can like really take care of her and really understands her and really makes her feel safe and all that shit but he's not really that guy that's just like the person he wants her to believe she he is so that he can can have her abuse her yeah yeah well and and she is a possession to him yeah absolutely she is not a she's not a person to him right but he we're in the office and he ignores her in the office and then calls her later while Bryce is on the couch watching football and she goes into the other room to take the call and they have this conversation of like you know where he accuses her of playing games yeah <laughs> which I hate it's called gaslighting page yep <laughs> and he, he terrible does this whole thing of like why is he not wondering who you're talking to I'd want to know which is overbearing and questionable yeah, and yeah. controlling. Yeah. 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 Why is he not abusing you like I am? Yep. And and he does this whole like, come see me right now. And she makes an excuse to leave and goes to see him. Yeah. And they have bathtub sex with like a Yankee candles worth of candles, like so many candles. That is a seance level because there's no way that all of those are the same scent. And if you have a bunch of different Yankee candle scents in the same room, that's how you get ghosts. (laughs) Because that shit will smell awful real quick. Yeah. Uh, So after having candle bathtub sex... They're eating. She's cooked for him and he offers her cocaine and she tries it. Right. And they immediately do the thing that everyone does on cocaine, which is develop new business ideas. And so (laughs) they're like, I've got an idea for a movie. It's about a house. It's a sequel to House One, but it's not about House One. There's a crystal skull. 
okay, I've got an idea for a movie. So there's this house with a mailbox. And if you stick your dick in the mailbox, it can go through the future. But then also they write letters to each other. And Keanu Reeves gets hit by a truck. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Can we have a Time Lord traveling time dog? <laughs> Absolutely. At least. I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. This sounds like a great idea. But so she lives in the same house in the future? No. She rents an apartment down the block. I love uh, it. Control yeah, P yeah, print. Yeah, yeah, print that. Yeah, yeah. We're making this movie. <laughs> what are, what should we work on next? Maximum overdrive? Great. Wait, wait, wait. What if he walked from Colorado to New Orleans? <laughs> <laughs> okay, but every time he time, tra- time travels, he has to be naked. Like in Terminator? Yeah, no, way worse than Terminator. Like way worse than Terminator. <laughs> anyway, so he tells her he wants to fund her having her own private practice. Oh, he's got $250. <laughs> That'll buy you like four months of practice management software. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's a billionaire. He could buy her an office building that she could rent out and already be making yeah. money. Like the fact that he's like, yeah, I'll do that for you. And she's like, oh my God, you will. And that it's going to be like his main thing because he cancels the other deal to do her practice. And I'm like, these are not equal. No, they're not at all. <laughs> this is an insane reaction. Okay, okay. So it's rent. You have to buy a couch and a chair. Wait, in today's economy, Mikey? No way. A couch <laughs> and a chair? Are you crazy? That's it. That's all you need. Use Zoom. Yeah. All right. I'm done with the counseling jokes. But Mikey, how does that make you feel? It makes me feel upset that a billionaire has not approached me to start my own counseling business. They were like, how much does it cost? Like a million dollars? I'd be like, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) At least a million dollars. Mikey. When you say that you're done with the mental health jokes, it makes me feel like you're discounting how hilarious these jokes can be. And that makes me feel inferior. (laughs) Sorry. I hear what you're saying, that you're frustrated that I wanted to give up mental health jokes. So I will change my behavior to still make mental health jokes. I can't handle this. I'm leaving this conversation. I can't handle it. I'm out of here. This is ridiculous. If Mikey's not making mental health mental health jokes, I'm leaving the podcast. Oh, we have triggered talk. <laughs> oh no! So he basically tells her that he'll fund her business if she's his. Right. Like you have to be mine. That's interesting. That's an interesting concept. Yeah, it's. I mean, like it's almost as if he has a whole room painted red that has handcuffs and jeans <laughs> with holes in them and mm-hmm. Legos on the floor. And like yeah. a, a solid chunk of dick neck. <laughs> I like how it's a chunk of dick neck. Dick neck. <laughs> See, when you shout dick neck, it makes me feel like you're not really invested in the whole of the dick. What's the urethra have to do with it? <laughs> <laughs> what urethra got to do, got to do with it? <laughs> What's dick neck but connected to the ball set? <laughs> Ah, Tina Turner, you are so wise. When you say urethra, what you should be thinking is me and you. Oh, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) That's still better counseling that's in this movie. (laughs) Well, yeah, because there is no actual counseling in this movie. It's, hey, I'm cheating on my husband. And hey, let me stop you right there and tell you the story about me for two hours. Yep, yep, yep. So they get into an argument because she feels bad about breaking up with Bryce. And he's like, don't play games. Get out of my fucking house. And I'm like, she's not the one playing games. What's happening? And also, like, he goes from move in with me, be mine to get the fuck out of my life forever like that. Like, so fast. 
fast. Well, because he is removing, like, he considers himself an award or a reward for her. And so he's, like, giving love and then taking it away so that she's trying to earn his affection because he is a narcissist. Yeah, he's absolutely a narcissist. Yep. So she comes home and her mom confronts her for coming in late. And she's also still drunken on coke. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it goes, the affair goes from, like, 10 miles per hour to a... I mean, she comes in hot. Like, she looks like she just had sex. She seems drunk. She seems high. Yep. And yesterday, she never did any of those things. She's had a lot of firsts in the past 10 minutes. And her mom is literally following her around the house, shouting at her with a Bible. Like, this is not the best time to have this conversation. We should be having this conversation in the morning after people have slept off their cocaine. I I just don't understand why her mom attempted an exorcism. Oh, that's later. But yes. Oh, Uh, (laughs) oh man, it's it's wild. She does also reveal that she knows that her father's not dead and her mother's been lying about it forever. And that is completely just glossed over and no one ever addresses it again. I know. I could not believe that, Paige. Like, that is like a whole movie worth of material that we are not even going to address again. Nope. And as she's confronting her mom about it, her mom just slaps her across the face. She tries to slap the devil out of her mouth. Yep. And then packs her shit up and leaves. Yeah. And as she does it, Bryce is then like, hey, what's what's happening? I just woke up to people slapping each other. Bryce is like, what? I have a wife. I've had (laughs) amnesia for like 17 hours. Oh, my God. And the whole time everyone's like buggering her. She's just like, I just want to take a shower. Uh, So we cut to the next day. She's back at the office and the song that's playing is singing the story. Is it? Yes. And it is real funny. And it's this whole thing of like, I love you, but I didn't mean to hurt you, but I'm in love with another man. And you're just like, what is happening? Because we cut to the pharmacy where Bryce breaks a pencil. Yeah. And Harley goes into his garage, gets into a Rolls Royce, opens the garage and Judith is there and he fully ignores her until he like opens the car door and they have sex in the back seat. But it's literally like he's ordering her around. It's not good. You see her like inaudibly say something to Harley. We don't hear what that is, but they like right. she says something and then they bone in the back of his Royce. Yeah, she says, right. "I only drive stick." <laughs> Let's have some fun. This beat is sick. I want to take a ride on your Rolls Royce stick. So <laughs> she's like, this Rolls Royce is better than my Rolls Bryce. Oh, it's a Rolls Royce, though. It's not a rice. Mikey does a visual gag on a podcast again So we cut to a montage where she's drinking, snorting coke They're like finding a building for her practice Which is like the size of a giant retail store (laughs) Like it's not, you need one room You're one person, anyway She's like... I'm going to put 100 people on 100 different couches and then I'm going to be in one chair and then I'm going to do therapy on all 100 people it's at the like, same time. We need a it's big like building. genius speed chess, but for counseling. <laughs> I can't wait to see your the queen's gambit, but it's the counselor's gambit. I'd be like, look, you've heard of sushi train, but have you heard of therapy train? <laughs> I'm going to go around on a conveyor belt <laughs> and you just tell me all your problems and I pretend to listen and then bill you all for the same hour. There you go. So we cut to he drops her off at home and she is clearly day drunk. Yeah. And Bryce is watching her like stumble inside. We cut to she shows up at her office dressed all fancy and gives her last or gives her notice. And Janice, her boss, is like, 
no, 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 this isn't your last two weeks. This is your last day because Harley just called me and told me what's up and you're fucking fire. Yeah. And she basically says, I wish you all the best with your struggle. And then Judith is like, yeah, but meaning to tell you, I know that your accent is fake and you're from Georgia. And then she just, it no accent just goes, bitch, you better get your ass out of my office now. And I was like, <laughs> okay, that's almost worth it for sitting through the whole movie with that accent. Because <laughs> the accent is terrible. It's terrible. But yeah, it was great. I love when she dropped the accent. I was very happy about it. Yep. Uh, we cut to the pharmacy where Brandy is like, hey, you've helped me feel better and feel safe. You're not doing well. Tell me what's going on. And he can kind of confides in her about what's happening with Judith. And they basically say like, hey, if you want to fight to get her back, you got to actually fight to get her back. Yeah. And so he shows up at a fancy house party at Harley's house and because he knows where Harley lives because he picked her up that one day. Yeah. And she is very clearly drunk and on drugs. He drags her out of the party and she breaks up with him, but she is not there like she is dead behind the eyes like yeah she's drunken on coke at least yeah yeah i don't even think she's on coke because she's kind of like slumped that's more of like, like a heroin, a heroin yeah. or molly yeah. or lsd even but so he's like fine i'll help you pack your shit and she goes back into the party when she says <laughs> no she goes I don't want any of my shit. Oh, just I have my laptop. Shit here. Yeah. 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 Uh, that like, I was like, oh man, that's like really throwing it in his face that like, he's only a pharmacist. Yes. Oh my God. I can't believe you only make low six figures. You loser. <laughs> anyway, he gets in his truck and slams the door so hard the window breaks. Yeah. So he he drives past a bunch of the monuments, which I think is just them being like, we yeah. we filmed in D.C. <laughs> he took the PCB right through the Washington Monument. I honestly, it, this drove me crazy because they are not anywhere close to the monuments. Now you know how I feel, Todd. Now you know how I feel. I My sister works in the State <laughs> Department, so I, I go there quite a bit. And I'm always on that Capitol like, mall area because I love that area so much. So, like, he drives the circle around all that area. Like, yeah. it's, his wife just left him. Let him drive around and look at the monument. Let America heal his pain. <laughs> I do yeah. feel like he is just out on a drive because he's so, like, upset and sad or whatever. He's not, like, taking a straight path home, and I get that. Yeah. So, he goes to Brandy's house, and she's talking him through it, and he leans in for a kiss, and she's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Mikey, what were you trying to say there? She <laughs> He immediately is just like, I have HIV. You know? Yes. Like, Whoa. <laughs> it is an amazing, like, what? Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about something important. Actually, no, no, no. That's not this scene. There's, oh, is it not? No, there's a couple scenes in between. Oh, she goes, I'm not attracted to you. I think she says something weird like that, too. No, she says, we're not attracted to each other, which I disagree. I do feel like Bryce was attracted to her. I mean, it's Brandy. She's an attractive woman. Also, it's Bryce. You've seen him? Come on. Yeah, uh, I, I did think it was great when he was like, well, you've not seen me with a guitar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we cut to Judith shows up at the apartment. They double park a Lambo. Yeah. And and leave it running well, outside the apartment. And there's a guy like honking and he's like, go around. I'm a villain with no <laughs> yes. repercussions for my actions ever in this movie. So they go upstairs and this is where her mom is essentially having like a prayer circle exorcism just without her there. Yes. It's it's if you wanted to code it for ICD-10, it's exorcism without patient present. So <laughs> 
It's what they do to Beetlejuice to summon the couple from Beetlejuice when they're in the land of the dead. And just like Beetlejuice, it works because she comes home. Yeah, and she and her mom are fighting because her mom is extra. Yes, she is. Sism. Yep. Extra-ism. I love it, Mikey. Extra-ism. <laughs> I love when Mikey lands a joke and he does his little arm dance. It's really cute. I wish you guys could see it. <laughs> Harley gets in between them and snags the laptop. Oh, and throws the mom to the ground. Yes, he throws her to the ground and then drags Judith out of the house. Yes, yeah, because she's trying to check on her mom who's like injured. Yeah, and they he drags her back to their place and she's fucking mad and probably high off her mind off on coke. So he gets mad at her for getting mad at him and... Ends up coming into the closet because it looks like she's gathering clothes to leave. And he just slaps her across the yeah. face. He hits her. I thought he punched her. I, I just saw him hit her. I don't know if it was an open or closed fist, but it's. I thought it was closed. Still, yeah. it's horrible either way. It's it's bad no matter what. Right. So meanwhile, we cut to Brandy's apartment where she's making eggs. And he's like, oh, my God, a woman who can cook. How are you single? And I'm just like, <laughs> if you didn't hear that sigh, allow me to do it louder. <laughs> Yeah, it was upsetting. I'll say this. I am a dumb, dumb man. So if I can see how misogynistic a movie is, it's super misogynistic. Yeah, we're like the, this joke's not going to make it, but like we're like the opposite of the Bechdel podcast. <laughs> the Bechdel cast? We're yeah. like, as an idiot guy, this seems very toxic masculinity. And if I can tell... It's probably yeah. very bad. Fun fact, this movie does pass the Bechdel test. But again, that is the lowest bar. Lowest yeah. bar. <laughs> what are the other tests? Like, I want to know if it passes the Bechdel exam. Like, <laughs> I'm sure it can pass the test, but how far does it go after that? <laughs> so regardless, he's like, why are you single? And she's like, I have HIV. <laughs> and... Basically, she says something <laughs> even sorry. crazier. The next thing she says is even crazier because she says, I made the choice to be with my ex and he was sleeping around. So I accepted my part in it. No, if he did not inform you that he had HIV and transmitted it to you without your knowledge while you're in a relationship, like none of that is your fault. I could understand her being at peace with it, but not accepting that it was her fault. Right. And that's what she says, because she says, I accepted my part in it. I'm like, you had no part in it. What yeah. are you talking about? But then she says, I'm not running from Harley anymore. And Bryce is like, Judith! Judith! <laughs> <laughs> I, okay, I did not stop laughing from this scene until the Same. end of the movie. Oh, my God. Okay, so when he goes all mad Hulk on the front door of Harvey's place, I was like, "Amazing! hell yeah. You break that fucking door down, Bryce. It was so yep. amazing. I loved it. He, like, tries to open it and then just runs through it. Like, there is a Bryce-sized hole in that door. It's amazing. <laughs> if I was him, though, I would have asked some more questions just in case there's just like a it was A just different a Harley? <laughs> they they yeah. get in there, they like beat the shit out of that Harley, and she's like, oh no, it's a different Harley. I don't know this man. I got HIV from a motorcycle seat. <laughs> the, the cousin of Chuck's executioner. Yeah. Oh my God, I have to get tested immediately. <laughs> So your oil check. What am 
<laughs> I mean, I, listen, I have gotten some sketchy Jiffy Lube jobs, so I don't know. I might have it. Maybe. You got to get smog. So Harley is passed out in bed. Judith is badly beaten yes. in the tub. Like, badly. I was laughing at this point, and I feel bad because she is, like, really badly beaten in this tub. Yeah, and he's still running through the house like, Judith! Yeah. Judith! 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 It's hilarious. Judith! It's so ridiculous. But, okay, when he gets there and he sees her in the tub and he starts to, like, pull her out and pick her up and she's like, can we fix this? And he's like, yeah, sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah, she's immediately like, maybe I do want to be married to you. I've been like, We'll talk about this later. Mm. With an okay, so when he said, yes, we can fix this, I, in my mind, immediately said, he's not talking about their marriage. He's talking about the bruises on her face, maybe some broken bones that she has. Yep. Like, we can fix what is going on with you in the moment, not knowing that she has HIV, right? But, right. like, he was not talking about their relationship because there's no way that's salvageable. He was talking about his truck window. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of which, he carries her out to the truck, yeah. and then he heads back into the house because Bryce gonna give it to you. Fuck, wait for you to get it on your own. Bryce gonna deliver it to you. Knock, knock, open up the door. Anyway, so... Breaking down the door, it's real! Sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he tackles Harley through a glass window and beats the shit out of him. And then Brandy comes and stands over and he's like, Karen. And she just says, yeah, it's me, Karen. <laughs> <laughs> and then Harley is like, oh, I've been looking for you everywhere, babe. Like, we can make this work. I'm like, what are you I doing? You, no, he goes, he said, I told you you'd come back to me. <laughs> she should have lifted a gun and shot him in the face. Well, they basically, they're like, don't come near her or my wife again, or my son, or my son's son, or my son's son ever again. <laughs> so we cut back to the marriage counselor from the beginning who's just like, understand? And what should have happened is they reverse the shot to the girl she's been talking to, and it's just like, were we billed for that? <laughs> Am I allowed to leave? Does my insurance cover your weird stories? But like, she's what? like, I fell in love with someone that I went to high school with. I don't feel like it was a similar situation. Can I talk about what's going on with me before you tell a two hour story? Yo, you got any Coke though? <laughs> <laughs> you still doing Coke? Quote unquote, Judith. I know your real name, Judith. But like what, what she says is. I'm going to end this almost affair. Yeah, almost affair. It's so poorly delivered. It is a very laughable line. It is it's so, so funny. funny. It is amazing. Yeah. But then she goes, but did Judith get AIDS? And she, well, she did she get HIV? And, oh, and she's yeah. like, yeah, she did. How about Bryce? No, she, he didn't. Thank you so much for sharing this story with me. <laughs> <That's what she> <laughs> <says>. <laughs> I'm definitely willing to pay you twice our regular fee because i've been here two hours listening to your <laughs> shitty story so we cut to the therapist leaves and goes to the pharmacy where she hugs karen and she says hi to bryce and we reveal that this is judith she's getting her her medication refilled but her t-cells are low which is not good uh so they're trying to get her t-cell count up and it's also like 10 years later and it broke my heart that karen is it doesn't say how long it is 
The makeup looks like it's 40 years later. <laughs> yeah, her, well, her makeup looks like it's 40 years later. Karen looks exactly the same. Bryce looks like he opened powdered sugar too close to his face. <laughs> but Bryce has a new wife and has a kid who's like five or six. Right. That's the reason I thought it was like 10 years. But Judith does look a fully 40 years older. And Natalie asked me, she was like, how old is Judith at this point? And I was like, she's 35. But the AIDS got her. So she walks like she's 80. <laughs> like, this is no way to react. Like, someone with AIDS would not, like, age that quickly. HIV, that, yeah, with treated HIV, like, oh, yeah, it's ridiculous. And there's, I mean, there's a lot of great treatments for AIDS, too. Yes! I'm like, this is in 2011. She doesn't even have AIDS yet. She's just HIV positive, which means that she could potentially live a long, full life. Like, this movie is It's crazy. not that HIV is not a bad diagnosis or whatever. It's just not like how it was in like the 80s and 90s. Like, the right. advancements in medicine for those people has gotten so much better right. in the past 20 years. So, like, Absolutely. it's just someone wrote this movie who literally has no understanding of HIV, marriage counseling, social media <laughs> network sites, how anything works. This movie is written like when a church does a haunted hell house. Well, it's funny you should mention that because that's going to come up in fun facts. Oh, oh my What's in the movie? God. I want to hear it. And, and wait, wait, did we talk about how Bryce's new wife comes in and Judith has to see how happy he is? With, like, his new wife, who looks a yeah. lot like Judith did 10 years ago, and their son. Yeah, this movie thinks Judith is the villain. Yeah. Yeah. And because this movie only has repercussions for Judith's actions, yeah. everyone else is, like, equal to where they started or better. Yeah. It's disgusting. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, even Bryce was like, I feel guilty for taking your money, but you have a $20 copay. <laughs> <laughs> And, and that's, that's the movie. movie. All right. So having seen this movie, having talked about this movie, what did you guys feel about Tyler Perry's colon <laughs> confessions of a marriage counselor? No, Tyler Perry's temptation colon so, confessions of a marriage counselor. That's my mistake. I apologize. Yes. What did you guys think about it? Tempting. Uh, I, wow. I, I love <laughs> this movie is is bonkers in the best kind of way because it is completely untethered from any kind of reality. It is. It's almost like it takes place in a different world. Like it's like if you asked an alien to write a like romance drama who's right. only been observing Earthlings for two weeks. That's what it feels yes. like to me. It's like an al it's like if an algorithm wrote it. Oh my god. <laughs> but an algorithm a CEO put together in an afternoon with yeah, a marriage yeah, yeah. counselor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Temptations, colon. The algorithms of a marriage counselor. I, I have nothing to add to this except that was bonkers <laughs> and I don't ever want to watch it again. <laughs> I honestly don't feel like people should watch this movie. Like to me, it's not so bad it's worthy of watching. It is just, like, offensively bad. And the fact that Harley gets no repercussions literally drove me insane. I was so mad that they were very heavy-handedly telling me this moral tale, but there are no moral consequences for, like, the actual villain in this movie. It drove me insane. So it's too realistic. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. yeah. That, that hits a little close to home. My favorite part of this movie is making other people watch it and then just waiting for them to tell me how they felt about the end. This is your remember me. This is your remember this, me. This is my remember me. 
So while Mikey and I were hanging out waiting for you to join the call because you had some work stuff going on, yep. I literally played the Team America Everyone Has AIDS, 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 AIDS musical AIDS, AIDS. bit because that's what the end of this movie feels like. Well, fun fact about the end of this movie because this came out just a year or two after R. Kelly's Trapped in the Closet chapters 1 through 22 came out. Now, again, R. Kelly is an evil rapist. We know this. Right. That's why he's... Mm-hmm. In prison and should stay there. But if you've ever seen Trapped in the Closet chapters 1 through 22, you know that chapter 22 is basically a song about how everyone has, quote, the package. And in this context, the package is HIV. Uh, But the plot. (laughs) Wow. The plot of chapters three through 19 doesn't work for that to happen because, like, the chain gets broken in chapter, like, two. So it doesn't work. There are very many plot holes, but that came out around the same time because Trapped in the Closet is also a very strange morality tale. And if he wasn't a monster who groomed and raped young girls, I would have absolutely made you watch it. (laughs) Well, I think, I guess we dodged a bullet, although I feel like we didn't dodge this bullet. No. So Paige, do you have some fun facts for us? Yes. Well, hit us with your fun facts. Sex pest, fun facts. <laughs> Sex pest, fun facts. Yeah. So while filming in that scene where he comes out of the party, uh, the actor, Lance Gross, who played Bryce, slammed the door of the truck so hard that the window actually shattered and they kept it. I wondered if that was staged or not. Yeah. Because yeah. it does look like he slams that door super hard, which Great. I think he did a good job in this movie. Yeah, I mean, he's delivering the lines written and it's not his fault that they're super misogynist. Exactly. So Tyler Perry specifically wrote the role of Ava for Kim Kardashian. I mean, yeah, I get it. That I mean, that does make sense based upon her character being terrible. Yep. I guess he lost a bet. (laughs) (laughs) So... I would like, if I may, to take you on a journey. Oh, I'm very excited about this. I feel like we're about to get on a magic school bus. We are going (laughs) to talk about Tyler Perry's history so that we have a better understanding of how this movie comes about. Thank you so much, because I don't really know a lot about Tyler Perry's history. I just know he is like this creative force. So Tyler Perry starts out on what is now referred to as the urban theater circuit. It is mostly churches, a lot of churches, but also theaters. And and they get like big theaters and stuff too. And they are often church and morality plays and usually musicals. Nearly all of his films are adapted from plays that he wrote. That makes sense, actually. Yeah. Around 1990, he moved to Atlanta. And two years later, he put on his first play there called I Know I've Been Changed. And it was just performed at a community theater. He financed it himself. He was only 22. Wow. Good for him. That's amazing. It is pretty amazing. He spent his $12,000 of life savings putting that show on. And it was a morality play. It was a church-centric morality play and centered around a dysfunctional family. And it initially received, quote, less than stellar critical reception. Oh, no. And lost a lot of money. (laughs) Oh, man. I mean, he was 22 at the time. He was 22. I'm sure he's grown a lot as a 
like artist since then. Everyone has grown since they were 22. Yeah. yeah. So he spends the next six years rewriting the musical repeatedly, even though, quote, lackluster reviews continued. <laughs> oh, oh wow. man. He's committed. But... In 1998, this is now eight years later, he's 28 years old. He succeeds in retooling the play enough and restaging it enough times that he's able to put it up at the House of Blues in Atlanta and then at the Fox Theater. And that is no slouch. That is a big deal. Dude, the Fox Theater, is. I've been there a few times. It's amazing. One of my proms was there. Oh, really? In Atlanta? Yeah, that's where I grew up. Oh, yeah. okay, nice. I love the Fox Theater. I saw the Book of Mormon at Fox Theater. Cool place to do prom. So once he gets his first plays in the big theaters, he then hits the urban theater circuit around the country and develops multiple plays to the point where people would see plays just because his name was on it and they knew what they were getting. Yeah. And they are all these kind of Christian morality plays, usually about families and relationships. He develops a really devoted following, specifically in African-American audiences, but not exclusively. And in 2005, Forbes actually reported that he had sold more than $100 million in tickets. Wow. And $30 million in videos of his shows, 20 million in merchandise, and he puts on over 300 live shows a year, which are attended by an average of 35,000 people a week. Now, here's the other thing, too. Jeez, that's amazing. He is also publishing and selling his scripts so that your local church could buy a script and put on Tyler Perry's Temptation Confessions of a Marriage Counselor and people keep coming to see them. So he keeps writing new ones. So like Medea becomes a character in one play that he's writing sequels for her. So people are now seeing new Medea plays. Right. But they're also seeing all of his other plays like Diary of a Mad Black Woman, uh, Temptation Confessions of a Marriage Counselor and a bunch of other ones. He has dozens of plays. He releases this movie, which is his 13th film, based on a 2008 play of the same name. So this play comes about literally 10 years after his first play hits. So this is part of the like building phase where he's like optioning these plays out. Yeah. But that's how the Tyler Perry monolith is built. And so when you see these movies and you're wondering why there are so many like heavy handed morality themes, but also why sometimes the background music is singing the story, it's because A, those songs were originally part of the musical because it was a musical. And B, people are not necessarily expecting that level of nuance because plays are always less nuanced than film, no matter what. Right. Because there is more interaction between the... It's it's a different medium. Completely. And so people are seeing these movies to see the play that they've seen. So that's how these movies come about. And that's how this movie happened. I mean, what he has done, what he has built is super impressive. It's really interesting. And also now, if you see Tyler Perry plays live, and also sometimes other urban theater circuit plays because there are other playwrights just as not just as famous as Tyler Perry, but also famous playwrights on the circuit. 
they will get celebrities to do those plays. So like Michelle from Destiny's Child is in a ton of them. Um, But they would also get like Usher came up doing those plays. R. Kelly came up doing those plays. And I know that's a bad example, but I'm just telling you, that's probably why Trapped in the Closet also has this ending. Um, <laughs> babe, there was one that came through L.A. not too long ago that had Babyface in it, like the wow. Babyface. Okay. Yes, like this is a big deal. And so we will definitely be doing more Tyler Perry movies eventually because there's a lot of them and they are. Woohoo! Yes. I can't wait. And I'll say this. Did not like this movie. Don't think you necessarily need to watch it. But I would fully watch a stage production of this that's a musical any day of the week. Absolutely. I want to hear the songs. I want to know all about it, baby. Yep. There are a couple others that I would really like to do. But I do think we do need to delve into the Tyler Perry catalog and get some more of these on there. Absolutely. Let's do it. And those are our fun facts. Thank you for your fun facts. Yeah, thank you for those sex pest fun facts, Paige. Sex pest fun facts. (laughs) So, Mikey, normally we do the, do you think they're still together? But the the movie sort of answers that, right? I, I think they're friends still. I don't think they should be, but that's what they are. Yeah, I got I, it. I, yeah, I don't think they're friends. Uh, do you think that Harley has died of an overdose yet? I hope so. I w- wanted him to get beat to death in that final scene. Yeah. Or have Karen just shoot him in the face. I did want Karen to use her boots to kick his testicles up into his eyes. But <laughs> since that didn't happen, I'll settle for her just introducing herself again. <laughs> it was fine. All right. Well, do you guys want to talk some box office? Sure. Let's do it. All right. So this movie came out in 2013. What do you think the production budget was for? And I'll say the whole title again. Tyler Perry's Temptation, colon, Confessions of a Marriage Counselor. Now, Tyler Perry is like the Lee Winnell of, I, I'll say, African-American cinema, where he makes movies that look pretty decent as far as cinematography and set design and getting good, talented actors in them for not a lot of money. Well, his name does have some pull in and of itself. So, yeah, I could see that. But what do you think the budget was, guys? Five million. No, I'm going to go a little higher. I think this is $10 million. Okay. The production budget for this movie was $37 million. Holy <laughs> shit! <laughs> <laughs> Where is that money? It's not on the screen. Oh, oh, no. I know. When you were saying that he he knows how to make movies on a budget, I was like, oh, does he? That's news to this movie. But I let you run with it for the joke. <laughs> this is a thing, though, where that's part of why he's able to churn so many out because he's often self-funding them. And... If you're a working actor in Atlanta, that's where the roles are because he's not working in Hollywood. He's working in Atlanta and books a ton of people through there. Yeah, his studio's in Atlanta. And he and he does often do things super under budget. Thirty seven million is bonkers for this movie, (laughs) especially. Yeah, that's so crazy. That's I can't even talk about it. There's not even shots that are zoomed out. I mean, if you think about the locations in this movie, there are seven locations. Like, there's not many locations. It is like they rented a private jet for one day of shooting. It never left the tarmac. (laughs) Here's what I hope, and here's where I hope they spent the money. I hope all the actors got paid above scale. That's what I hope. Because this is an ensemble piece. You do have Brandy. And, and a couple others here. And if you're paying them above scale, that can get expensive. And typically movies made outside the studio system don't necessarily have to comply by union rules. So you don't have to pay people scale. So making the choice to pay them more, 
would have upped their budget. I hope that's why. I don't know for sure that that's why. And I don't know either, but let's talk about how much it made. So this movie came out on March 29th, 2003 and was third the week it came out. It was beat by G.I. Joe Retaliation. The Crudes was number two. Of course, it was number three. Olympus Has Fallen was number four. And Oz the Great and Powerful was number five. How much do you think it made... In its first weekend out, and again, it was March 29th, 2013. These movies make buttloads of money. Okay. $5 million. <laughs> <laughs> Mikey's holding firm at five. Um, I'm, I'm going to say 20. I'm going to say it made 20 first weekend. Okay. Honestly, Paige, you are very close. It made $21.6 million in its opening weekend. Yep. So very, very close. What do you think it made in its total domestic run? 100. Okay. Mikey, what do you think? 70. It made $51.9 million. Damn. It dropped pretty significantly after its first week. Mm-hmm. Uh, it then went on to make another $1.1 million in the international box office. It sounds to me like it just did not get a very big international release. Yeah. Uh, for a total box office worldwide run of $53.1 million. But then it made another 15.3 in home market performance, which is like DVD and Blu-ray sales. So it yep. made $67.4 million or so. That's not bad. And this is not bad. This is second tier Tyler Perry because this is not Medea. This is not one of his like Oscar ones like this is because he does make movies that he's like, this is my Oscar chance. Well, and he makes movies that he's in. He's not in this. Yeah, he's he's not in this. Medea like prints money. Oh, yeah. That's why he's done so many of them, I think. Yeah. Yes. Uh, But so even for like second tier Tyler Perry, that's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, it made money for sure. For a movie produced outside the studio system for a specific audience that is watching it because they know a play. I'd say that's pretty good because it is an indie movie. Yeah, it made money. But that's your box office. So this week, Paige made us watch Tyler Perry's Tentations, colon, Confessions of a Marriage Counselor. Counselor. Next week, I am making you guys watch a movie I watched at a very young age. And for whatever reason, the only real thing I remember from it is Toe Pick. Do you know what movie this is, Paige? Are you making us watch Cutting Edge? Yes, I am making you guys watch (laughs) the 1992 it's got Robbie Benson in yeah, it. Yeah, I'm so excited. The 1992 excited. <laughs> Robbie Benson vehicle, The Cutting Edge. That's where they the he was a hockey player. Yep. And then he, okay, I'm all in. Dude, I loved this movie so much. I have not seen it since probably 2001, but I still remember it's called The Panchenko Twist. I remember Toe yep. Pick. I, I, so I'm very excited to revisit this movie, although it may very well be terrible. Probably. I, I think <laughs> I think 90s Robbie Benson is very cute. Oh, I think he's very lovable, yeah. And the yes. girl who plays the main character with him, I find very charming, even though she's quite bratty in this movie. Yes. But anyway, so I remember loving this movie growing up when my uh, girlfriends in high school made me watch it. Uh, and this is probably one of the first like rom-coms I watched where I was like, no, I actually sort of like this movie. Yeah, I remember I liked yeah. it as a kid. So hopefully it holds up and I don't feel really embarrassed like Mikey did when he made us watch The Time Traveler's Wife. Uh, no, I knew that was bad. <laughs> <laughs> that, that episode's super fun, though. <laughs> so yeah, everyone, your homework for next week is to get wine drunk. Watch, I guess, the Olympics and watch also The Cutting Edge. Do you have a review for us to read, Mikey? I do. I have quite a humorous review to read for us today. Who's you going to read this week, Mikey? What's the review shaking at you, Dick? 
This one's coming from Alexa Slay. Oh, yeah? <laughs> what does Alexa have to say? She says, hmm, Todd is hilarious. Oh, that's right. This is the best review ever. That's right. <laughs> chef's, <laughs> chef's kiss to his romantic time. Uh, his <laughs> <laughs> but that is something that only uh, Natalie should know is my romantic time. Oh, chef's kiss to his comedic time. That's timing. much better. Yes. Thank you, Alexa. Keep being awesome, Todd J. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Alexa, order me some irony. <laughs> I love this so much. I love Outside it Outside of this review, she asked me to tell you to check the P.O. box. Oh, no. I did get an email saying that we have too much because I only go like once a month. And they were like, you have to come get this stuff from the P.O. box because it's too much. It doesn't fit. The commitment to the bit. I have so much respect. I cannot wait. <laughs> so, Alexa, thank you so much for that amazing, amazing and truthful five-star review. <laughs> yeah, I, I've, I've, uh, I've learned some lessons this week of uh, making <laughs> jokes about dating while maybe they still <laughs> listen to the podcast. Hey, 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 man. I, I have no regrets, but I'm also the person that has stood in a comedy club knowing an ex was in the audience and deliberately told jokes about them so that does not surprise me at all alexa thank you hey we're still friends <laughs> i'm sure alexa thank you so much for that five-star review and listen i would love it if you would leave pretty much word for word that exact same review on horror virgin as well <laughs> she told me she is uh writing a review for horror version i don't know what that means I cannot wait. So, Alexa, thank you so much for that awesome five-star review. I can't wait to read what you have in store for us on the horror version review. <laughs> yeah, I'm super excited about it. <laughs> Definitely learning lessons. Yeah, you are. Growing, living. <laughs> confessions of a regular counselor. <laughs> so, um, yeah, guys, if you like this power thruple that we have here on this podcast, make sure to check out our other podcast the horror virgin and that is the only other podcast that mikey and i are on but Paige gets around and she is on two other podcasts black card rehab and cult podcast so guys definitely check out those because they're amazing if you want to follow us on social we are at romancing the pod show yes on yes. Instagram, and we are at something else on Twitter who I just have never taken the time to learn it's, it. It's just Romancing Pod Show because they have a character oh. limit and it's show, S-H-O, like Showtime. So guys, check that out as well. And if you want to follow us all individually, Paige is at Rampage Wesley everywhere, including TikTok, except for Twitter where she is at Paige Wesley. Mikey is at M Randolph 24 and I am at Todd J awesome everywhere. And guys, we got a PO box. So if you want to send us some love letters or whatever you might send to a PO box, it's actually not a PO box. It's like a regular street address. It's pretty awesome. It's, 6688 Nolansville Road, number 108-34, Brentwood, Tennessee, 37027. So send us some stuff. Yeah. That's going to be it for us, you guys. I'm Paige. I'm Mikey. And I am Todd. You complete us. To completion. Toodle pit. I'm going to buy you a marriage license counsel <laughs> <laughs> but you have to agree to be mine <laughs> you have to sign these documents selling your soul bye sex pest nerds <laughs> Coun God. counseling nerds <laughs> <laughs>